Hello, my name is Brandon Burrell, and um, this is my podcast uh, with relation to the Chocolate War, where I'll be going over different things within the book, uh, literary analyses, a uh, bunch of things like that. So, yeah. This is part one of my literary analyses uh, podcast, going over the story, The Chocolate War, about a um, essentially children that go to a all-boys school, and... They're pretty much not dictated, but they're overseen by a secret group within the school called the Vigils. Um, so, yeah, this should be pretty good. We should get into, like, the specifics of the book and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to going over this. So to start, I like to talk about um, a text-to-self relation to my life from the uh, characters uh, within the first 40 40 pages of The Chocolate War. Um, So uh, within the first 40 pages, we learn about, like, the uh, main characters. We got Jerry. Uh, I I, I believe this goes up to chapter 15. So yeah, um, we learn about Jerry. We learn about Emil. We learn about the teacher, Mr. Leon. We pretty much learn about the main characters for now. And um, so, yeah, we we learn about their lives. Um, to start, we learn that uh, Jerry, he's, like, out on the field. You know, he's getting uh, roughed up by, like, uh, I believe he's playing baseball. I, I, I think, yeah, he's, he's playing baseball. He's just getting roughed up on the, on the field. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of relatable to, like, me when – um freshman year when I when I first started playing football and it was just like it it just felt like that as soon as we got the pads on like after the first three weeks um playing like and like practicing and like learning like getting like thrown around on on the field but then you get used to it so yeah and um yeah so we also learn about this uh group called the vigils and um it's like this, like, not like a secret society type thing, but like kind of a hierarchy within school. And, you know, that was kind of like how it was back in like junior high. I went to Century. It was kind of like that. But, um, you know, now it's pretty much not. Everyone just like has friends. You know, it's not like that. Not like a popularity hierarchy, I want to say, even though I hate using that word. And um, so, yeah, uh, we also learn that brother Leo or like the teacher he makes the kids sell he, he makes the kids sell uh, chocolate bars and that's like they, he like makes them sell a lot you know like that's in like for uh, our, our school the uh, model UN kids like the, some of the sports kids pretty much we had to like basically sell things to raise money like like a fundraiser for our activity you know, like for us, we, we had to sell coupons for, for football. Mama UN had to sell chocolates for their, like, traveling and their stuff like that. And, um, you know, like soccer had to sell stuff as well. Coupons for, for various restaurants around Orland. You know, like, that's, see, that's similar in that way. But also, it, it's different because Mother Leon pretty much, like, had the kids sell an absurd amount of chocolate. And he would get extremely angry if they, you know failed or if they like um started around with their selling and like stuff like that so he was more like authoritarian over it whereas for us we got like extensions for it 
at least for football, you know, uh, Coach, mm, I think Coach Peters was like the lead, was like the leader for the selling, but um, yeah, Co- Co- Coach Peters pretty much gave us like an extension if we didn't sell them all, and even then, like it wasn't really mandatory, like you didn't really get in that much trouble if you didn't meant to sell them all. We are, um, our minimum was 15, but then, you know, he, he let, like, a lot of kids get away with selling, like, 9, you know, 10, stuff like that. But we also had the option to, like, buy him out if we didn't sell them all. But I, I don't think the kids in the story had that option, which is pretty tough. Uh, yeah. And, and all throughout the story, they do go to an all-boys school, which is interesting. Uh, it's an interesting setting for this. So I take it that they're either young. I don't think this is high school. I don't think... I would think that this would be like, this would be like a very young age group for them to like go to an all boys school. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty, pretty much it for the first section, Texas self. like to perform like a like an analysis of the of the jerry's character so um what we learn within uh, we learn within about ah, like chapter eight or chapter nine uh we learn that jerry you know he's lamenting over his dead mother you know he's uh thinking about that i think he cries even, even a little bit he's remembering she she was ill when, when she died you know he was remembering all the good things about her you know that's pretty sad. You know, you know that's pretty sad. Like that has has to affect him at least sometimes when like he goes to school, and he's got the endless torment happening to him. He's got like all different things. So yeah, you know it's pretty uh pretty sad for him. You know adding that on to like I said the endless bullying and the fact that e- even the teachers seem to be against some students, really uh, makes you think what he, how he feels about this. And um, there's some parts where, you know, he's like giving his inner thoughts about um, what he thinks about, you know, and he seems to, you know, be taking it fine, honestly. You know, he, he still has his father at home. Father's a pretty decent role model. He's a pharmacist, pretty good job. And uh, yeah, but like the thoughts just keep coming to him about, you know, the crying at, at the uh, cemetery when she was getting buried, you know, the crying and the hugging and stuff like that. So, yeah. second uh section of the podcast where i like to talk about a text to world relation to the chocolate war um so i want to start by talking about like the vigils and the clear hierarchy that we see within the book um you know between their popularity and like their power among the students um i'd like to relate this hierarchy to the state or the government within america um seeing as the government will employ different taxes uh different tactics to enforce and for lack of a better word bully the american people into doing things and uh it's really interesting like there is an example of the vigils um oh it's also notable before i get to that example it's it's also notable that the vigils actually um have somewhat of a special privilege around the all all boys school uh they 
you know, they seem to not get in as much trouble. They can use their violent tactics, tactics, tactics against the students and almost get away with them with like little to no minor infractions, which is pretty interesting. It's almost like the government in real life. We, we see, uh, for instance, the state, um, the state-run police, they can um, enact things, uh, for instance, killing a human being unjustly and then get a, getting away with it, which is interesting to me. Um, so yeah, that it's like a really good real-world real connection to the vigils. But yeah, an example would be the vigils bullying multiple students, like countless students, and you know, that's um, similar to the state in, imposing a tax on the in individuals private uh private property private land private uh assets uh even our currency it's it's pretty interesting how um that intact that tax is employed but you know i also i don't want to say this because this is probably not true but i i, I feel like so as the government taxes it spends on it expenditures before it taxes so the tax is used to keep inflation down so i wonder if connecting that we can draw a parallel maybe say that the the vigils existing is is a necessity for the school to run almost i don't know because you know the tax um without tax and the government wouldn't be able to spend which would be preferred but since they do spend then we need the tax so if the school runs, maybe it is presupposed that the vigils are needed for it to function somehow. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's just my uh, input on that. And um, we can also look at this hierarchy within the um, within like the billionaires in our society that have used government assistance to reach where they are now uh, with the regulation on the economy, um, creates monopolization. Uh, destroys competition, allowing billionaires such as Jeff Bezos to rise to the top. Um, reg- regulation to the, to where it stops other companies from doing such things, but it still allows Jeff Bezos and a- Amazon or what was his um, to rise rise to the top and then monopolize the the market, creating an inefficient but still loved um, marketplace. And that's very interesting. Because, like, you know, so since the vigils aren't really punished enough, they aren't, I, I want to draw a parallel and say regulated as much as the other students, it's pretty much an unfair marketplace within the school, meaning the, the vigils will undoubtedly rise to the top and become a not an ungoverned force because I, I wouldn't see them being more powerful than the school structure themselves. But I'd, re- I'd, I'd definitely see them, you know, getting away with a lot of actions that could put the school at risk, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it for my text to world analysis of this, this story. For, yeah. Um, to address jerry's mother dying i never really had you know i still have both of my parents you know i still see them a lot but um i did have a grandmother die and i can like try to kind of connect to him while i didn't really go to school and get bullied you know sometimes you know having family members close family members that you've seen every single day 
you know, they were in your life so much. They interacted with you an extreme amount. You know, you know, sometimes that can really take a big effect on, you know, how, how you feel normally, you know, at school. Not to say, you know, Jerry, you know, he isn't really one of the majorly bullied kids, but, you know, he's still one of the kids that's like there and he's not really favored by a lot of students. You know, he, he goes to football practice. Even at the beginning of the story, we can see that, you know, he goes to football practice. Um, the story actually starts with him getting uh, thrown around on, on the field violently by um, some of the bigger kids that are, that are playing. So that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, you know, just having that and also thinking about how his, like, mother died, it, it's just all bad, especially since he died to a sickness. So just knowing that your mother died – to a sickness, even if it couldn't, couldn't have been, like, even if it couldn't have been cured, you know, still feeling like, you know, something could have been done, because, you know, um, I, I think myself, this is really, like, my philosophy, so to speak, but I, I think if a sickness exists, then a possible, uh, cure to that sickness has to exist, so, so let's say my mom would die. I would, you know, personally, I would think, wow, like there really, there really could be, or there really is definitely like a possible cure to this sickness. And, you know, it's just, it just sucks that it couldn't have been found in time. Like, you know, say, you know, my grandmother died from cancer, you know, and we're thinking about like, we're all thinking about all, all like scientists, doctors, everything, thinking about finding a cure for cancer. Like, you know, they, they, they know it's out there, you know, but they just can't seem to get it, you know, and like a bunch of funding, a bunch of money has gone to it, you know, people can't seem to get it, you know, we can only find, you know, uh, temporary treatment for it before it pretty much overtakes the body and goes to stage four, so, it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, like, it's pretty bad knowing that there definitely is a cure out there, it just can't be, it is really hard to find, or maybe it will never be found with the, uh, even with the technological advancements that we have, you know, it still might not be found because of just, just how insane cancer is, you know. Um, well, I don't remember what sickness it was. I don't even think it was listed. I think she just died from some illness. And, you know, assuming it was cancer, you know, you know it's got to be really hard. And cancer takes, like, a, a lot of people's families away. A, a lot of people's family members, loved ones, it's, got, it's taken a lot of people from other people. So, yeah, it's pretty bad. It, just a connection to my life and um um Jerry's life. So yeah, that's about it for the connection. Um, hello, this is the third part of the podcast where I like to talk about a text to text relation from the Chocolate War to a book that I actually read last year called um I, I believe it was called a child called it um so basically like the rundown of the book is um there's this child and while being pretty much abused and neglected at home um the child is also not really neglected at school he he's cared for at school you know by like the uh, teachers and especially the uh, nurse when he comes to school with like in- injuries from being at home but um He's pretty much neglected at school almost by his teachers. They don't really care. He only gets special attention from the nurse. And yeah, so so basically the uh, connection is that um, if we look at, I believe it was chapter 12, we see 
Jerry being at football practice, by the way, I, I know I messed up earlier into baseball, but um, I, he, he's at football practice and he's pretty much getting thrown around. Um, he's getting manhandled, thrown around. Um, it, it, there seems to be no one stopping this either. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, late, later down the, on the line, he like starts, starts doing better. And, uh, you know, the coach like con- congratulates him. But uh, at, at the beginning, the vigils seem to be manhandling him, mistreating him on the field. And like they're they're not really getting penalized for this because I can almost bet that they're doing things that aren't really allowed in the sport of football. Like you're not allowed to uh, head on tackle, you know, you're, you're not allowed to do stuff like that just to hurt people more. You're not allowed to do that stuff, but I guarantee that they are because the vigils are, they, they seem to be above authority, which is weird. Uh, you know, because then they get like, you know, again, especially in an all boys school, I would expect the authority to be even more like harsh. I don't know if it's a religious school, but I take it that if it's an all all boys school, chances are it's going to be religious because like, you know, those two kind of go hand in hand. So, you know, I would expect the authority to be even bigger. But, you know, the vigils seem to be above it. And um, yeah, I want to connect to that story because the uh, in, within the story, a child called it. Um, he essentially, um, there really isn't like any, like, you know, authority, like he can, the child, I believe it was a boy. He can call, you know, like he, he can call for help, but there will be no, no authority, like coming to help him. His parents, his, his mother typically will continue to bully him. His father is more of like a relaxed parent, but he seems to not do anything when the mother, when the mother, um, you know, tries to do anything, you know, he, he tries to get help from the father, but, but the father just ne- neglects it. And, you know, not, not to say that the father would have precedence over the mother, but, um, you know, there's two authority figures normally in the household, the mother and the father. So I would expect one of those authority figures to step up and stop that. But apparently the uh, father doesn't, I don't know if he's afraid. Oh yeah. Yeah, in, in the story, I think he was afraid to uh, step up because he, he was afraid to lose the mother or, or lose his his wife. So he decided to um, basically be like a standby. Uh, what is it called? When the, when someone's getting bullied, and you just watch them. Yeah, the, it's like basically when someone's getting bullied and you watch them, he decided to be one of those. And he didn't really do anything about the child. So, you know, I we can make that connection to the coaches or anyone else that has authority, that has tech technical authority over the vigils because they seem to surpass it. But we, we can connect that to um, the, uh, chi- the uh, boy from a child called It. Uh, where the father would not stand up for him. He would not help him in his times of need. Like a specific example, when um, the boy, the uh, mother basically put, I believe the the mother made him clean a bathroom, but she put ammonia in in the mop bucket. And she she, she closed the door and she didn't put, and she she didn't turn on the um, air. So naturally when that happens, it creates like a bunch of uh, gases. And, like, the boy was just breathing them in. And sooner or later, he, he passed out. And, like, he, 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 he was going to die. But, uh, you know, you know, the mother finally just decided to, just like, stop the torture. But, yeah, there was no authority over that. The uh, dad's always leaving. Just like the uh, teachers and everyone else at the all-boys school are always turning a side eye, turning a, turning a cheek over to 
you know, ig- ignore what the, what the vigils do, essentially. So, yeah, that was the text-to-text relation of the chocolate war to a child called It. That's pretty much the podcast. Um, we've analyzed the first 40 pages or within the first 40 pages of The Chocolate War. And uh, this was part one, by the way. It'll be a part two. So, yeah.